The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So I wanted to say a few things about forgiveness and then go back to what we were talking about last week and just our practice of wisdom awareness. But uh, it's important as you... I'm sure have noticed, especially those of you who've practiced for a while, sometimes we can have the intention to be present, but as soon as we just, the mind moves in that direction of being open, receiving the moment as it is, immediately the mind can get hijacked by unfinished emotional business, <laughs> right? There's something here moving here, some felt sense here, in the center of things that's like unfinished business. And one of the things that wisdom will eventually be able to do is recognize, you know what? Something is asking for our attention. So the wise person gives their attention, even if it's unpleasant. And this is where things like forgiveness practice or a loving kindness practice or compassion practice or gratitude practice, or a joy practice. It's a strategic medicine, dharma medicine, spiritual medicine, to help the heart digest, process, heal, whatever we're sensing is unfinished. When we sit down or have some quiet time, have the intention to be open, but finding that there's something in the way of being open. And you can just ask that, like if you're, you have the intention to sit and be mindful and you're just finding it impossible, the mind's just not settling into the present moment. It's like, has Teflon, you know, you have the intention to be present and boom, you find yourself lost in space, caught up in some thought, regurgitating some drama. And then wisdom, of course, is going to go, hmm, I wonder what's going on. What's here and now, but for whatever reason, the mind, wisdom, hasn't, isn't acknowledging. And this is that, can be perhaps that territory of unfinished pain, undigested pain, undigested emotional business. And remember, it may not, the what you're feeling, it may not directly correlate with some event that happened two days ago. It may not even relate to something that happened in your life. It may be just what you're around. It's like being human, we have the this legacy that all of us humans share. It's mostly, not, a, not completely, but it's mostly a legacy, a continuation of pain, betrayal, you know, abuse, loneliness, neglect. And in a way, we have this system, this emotional, psychological system. I think of it some ways just to kind of create an image for it as, as if our heart has all these very taut strings like you'd find on a cello or a violin. And when left alone, the strings are quiet. But those strings are just waiting for some vibration 
to begin to sympathetically vibrate with. And you don't have to pluck the strings, although, you know, we do enough of that, directly plucking our strings by, you know, bringing some content to mind, identifying with the content, but just being in the vicinity of somebody else's anger, somebody else's confusion, somebody else's lust, somebody else's drama. Have you noticed that our sensitive heart starts to sympathetically vibrate? Fortunately, it works the other way too. If we're around a friend who's really settled, really grounded in a, in a loving, friendly place, really clear, you know, some other quality is vibrating, well then notice that your heart can also tune into that. Just muting everybody. Yeah, and so that's just uh, the way it is. So when we have the good fortune to be able to sit for an hour in the morning or sit for 30 minutes in the morning, or like we just finished here at Common Grounds Retreat Center, you know, we had a bunch of folks out for a practice period. I see some of you online right now. Good to see you made it home okay. And uh, yeah, and when we have that great privilege, then we'll notice you know, from the last time, maybe we had some quiet time. What's still unfinished? What's moving? What's asking for attention? And so I included in the resources that I've been putting in the chat, um, an article by Sharon Salzberg on forgiveness. It just has some very simple, useful forgiveness instructions. And everybody should be versed how to do this around forgiveness. Same with the other different sort of dharma, emotion, psychological medicines that we have, like reflecting on compassion or reflecting on joy or reflecting on gratitude. Because the heart's going to need different medicines at different times. If we're really despairing and the mind is in this neurotic place of identifying with the thought, nothing matters, the whole world, including me, is all screwed up and feeling really nihilistic, well, then it might be useful to be able, in a way, to force some medicine down our throat and make the mind notice what's beautiful and what's good, just in simple ways, to do a joy reflection, appreciative joy. Oh, I can't deny that this is good. This is good. Like you're, whatever it is, you're looking at a flower, the first crocus coming through the ground in Minnesota or something like that. And it's not like you're saying it's going to save the world. You're just saying that seeing how life knows how to renew itself and just how amazing that is. And it just so happens to smell nice and look nice. That's nice. I can't deny it. And what happens to my heart when I acknowledge that simple truth or we feel the warmth of the sun on our skin which here in the northland feels nice this time of year so these simple reflections you know it's not actually easy to be a human being if we haven't formally or informally learned how to take care of the heart how to clear the ground because it's not like we can expect that i'm going to live my life without 
picking up <laughs> some unfinished business, you know, because it's going to happen. We're, we're not only uh, bumping into the limitations of our own conditioning, and like I suggested during the forgiveness meditation, you know, acting out in ways that cause harm, but we're just around a lot of messiness and a lot of unskillfulness and a lot of pain on all levels, you know, emotional, spiritual, physical pain. And that affects our sensitive heart and we carry it around. And we can't, otherwise what happens is our, it's really common in different ways that our practice, meditation practice, awareness practice becomes a kind of um, way to bypass our emotional pain and our unfinished business emotional business. So one of the real advantages of doing, cultivating present moment awareness is we'll have a harder time ignoring the unfinished business in our hearts. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways, um, therapeutic ways, you know, there are probably wonderful therapists out there that can help you with this work. And there are all kinds of therapeutic modalities, but there are a lot of meditative therapeutic modalities too that we can learn and they just fit in with this deeper work that we do. Let me just read a little from Sharon's. This is actually an excerpt from her wonderful book. Way back in 1995, Sharon Salzberg wrote the book uh, Loving Kindness. I think it's the, the subtitle is something like The Revolutionary Art of, hap, uh, of Happiness. But in that book, she has a chapter on forgiveness. The intention of forgiveness meditation is not to force anything or to pretend to anything or to forget about ourselves and utter deference to the needs of others. In fact, it is our greatest compassion for ourselves that we create the conditions for an unobstructed love which can dissolve separation and relieve us of the twin burdens of lacerating guilt and perpetually, perpetually unresolved outrage. Now, does that sound familiar? <laughs> That's the unfinished business. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, we're relatively grounded together folks, but isn't it interesting how easy it is for us to justify hating politicians or hating the world as if that hate about the parts of the world that we find bad is somehow doing ourselves or other people good it's not and we can see it doesn't mean we have to have a rosy view of the world or a rosy view of other people there you know clearly there's real ignorance and real unskillful actions that flow out of ignorance all, you know, here in my own life, but everywhere else. And of course, those people with a lot of power, they're ignorant too. So when they do ignorant actions out of their ignorance, that has real implications for many, many millions sometimes of people. And that's the world we live in. But that doesn't mean hating them or fearing them or closing our heart helps ourselves or the world. And this we can collect data on. Does it help? 
Ask yourself in an open-ended way. You're not trying to prove anything. You just want to look. Does it help to be afraid? Does it help to be despairing? Does it help to hate, to kind of fixate on the idea this person is evil or totally bad? Their actions may be incredibly unskillful and the cause for incredible suffering, but are they actually evil? Or is their mind deeply confused because of causes and conditions, deeply afraid, deeply neurotic? Sharon continues to write, It is not so easy to accept that place inside of us which can forgive, which can love. To be able to forgive is so deep a letting go that it is a type of dying. We must be able to say, I'm not that person anymore, and you are not that person anymore. Right? It's about being open. And she continues writing, Forgiveness does not mean condoning a harmful action or denying injustice or suffering. It should never be confused with being passive toward violation or abuse. Right? So let's not forget that, because a lot of people push back. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Right? But that I, I'm wondering if that can only happen when we haven't seen that the absence of forgiveness is harming our own heart first and foremost. We really have to let go of that idea that I'm forgiving this person because I want to help them. We're forgiving somebody because it's the right thing to do right here in our own heart. And that it maybe contributes to other people's healing. That That's just like icing on the cake. But we're really... We only really know what is skillful and unskillful by the effects right here. Everything else we have to hold with a grain of salt. Even in terms of its effect on our own heart, we should remain somewhat humble about if it's helpful or not. We should keep an open mind. But this is where we have some clarity. What's the effect on my own heart when I offer forgiveness, when I ask for forgiveness? when I forgive myself. She writes, Forgiveness is an inner relinquishment of guilt or resentment, both of which are devastating to us in the end. As forgiveness grows within us, it may take outward form. It may take any outward form. We may seek to make amends, demand justice, resolve to be treated better, or simply leave a situation behind us. The sense of psychological and spiritual well-being that comes from practicing forgiveness comes directly because this practice takes us to the edge of what we can accept. As you do the reflections, many conflicted emotions may arise. Shame, anger, a sense of betrayal, confusion, or doubt. Try to allow such states to arise without judging them. Recognize them as natural occurrences and then gently return your attention to the forgiveness reflection. So that's the thing about forgiveness. It is a type of awareness, a present moment awareness practice. It's just a more narrow or specific. So when we use the particular reflections or phrases, like bringing somebody to mind, asking for forgiveness in some way that feels sincere and real, 
right? So we're using that phrase, those words, that it evokes an experience. And then we practice being aware, giving space for whatever it is evoking, whatever emotion, image, feeling that it evokes. We give it permission. That's the digestion, the unwinding of what has been wound up. That's healing the unfinished, unaddressed pain that we drag along. And the thing is, it really gets in the way of spiritual work. It's like it's asking, it's, it is the spiritual work that's asking for attention. And to kind of expect the mind to be radically open and empty of self-centered drama and abiding in a profound, boundless loving-kindness, boundless peace and stillness, free of self-centered activity, when we haven't felt into what's unfinished in my relationship with my partner or my sister or my mother or my elected officials or my, you know, whatever, boss at work or colleague or the third grade bully who tormented us. And we don't have to go looking for that stuff, the unfinished business, because just by sitting regularly, getting on retreats when we can, cultivating a more um, organized and settled life at home where we're not immediately filling up the space with turning on the radio, turning on the TV, having a conversation and doing three other things. But we're, we're really appreciating the causes, the supporting causes for present moment awareness. So keeping things more simple to the degree you can, given your karmic situation. If you're raising 10 kids and you've got three dogs and you're working full time and caring for an aging parent, well, <laughs> then it's gonna look a particular way. But if you're single and you have enough money in the bank not to be stressed out about finances and you've already done the hard work of helping your parents age and die, and you've got some more space in your life, then you can live a, a more simple life. And then you'll be able to process the unfinished business more readily. And then almost like a, a nice aspiration is to get to the point. And again, some of us will have the good fortune and the resources to use all kinds of therapeutic modalities to support us in this work. So. I am not against or I'm recommending, you know, I think the Buddha would agree, just be pragmatic, whatever helps. And the unwinding and the digesting and the releasing of emotional pain and unfinished pain in your life and trauma and abuse so that the heart feels more settled and more naturally curious, more naturally open, less afraid whatever helps, well, do it. And sometimes we don't know what helps, so we just have to try something. We ask our wise friends, what has helped you? And we check it out. We don't believe it's going to help us. We check it out and we find our way. 
And these reflections like the doing a little forgiveness practice at the beginning of the sit is a really nice way just to check in. How's the heart doing? Anything unfinished here? And then just even asking, is there anybody that I might have harmed? Maybe you've really done the work, so a lot of those old places where there was some unfinished business have been processed. But maybe in the last two days, there's something that's reverberating. So it's good to ask every day, even before you go to bed, anything still lingering in the heart from today? You're sitting up, propped up in your bed before you go to sleep at night. I'm not going to go to bed until I check in. How's the heart doing? Any unfinished business, any little stickiness? Look, I've noticed that even in giving a Dharma talk, if I'm if I'm a little off, I get a little too exuberant, a little um, not so careful about how I'm talking about my own experience, stretch the truth in a little way, like when I'm sharing some specific experience from my life, then I notice these things. It's like, oh, that's now unfinished. That doesn't feel good. So I have to make peace with that. I have to really acknowledge, okay, there was this action 10 hours ago, three hours ago, still reverber reverberating right now in my heart. It feels like this. Can I get close? Oh. And then maybe the forgiveness phrases will be helpful. As best I can, I forgive myself for being an imperfect Dharma teacher. And it feels like this. And I happily, as best I can, I accept whatever's reverberating. I'm not afraid to feel what the feeling is that's here now. I don't want it to sort of creep in in the middle of the night when my mindfulness is not very strong, right? When we're sleeping, we're in a vulnerable position. So when unfinished business creeps in when we're asleep, the mind can build a head of steam. It's going to start processing that unfinished business with no clarity. And it's just going to start making stuff up around it. But it has no space, or rarely, you know, do we have space in our dream states. So it's better before we go to bed. It's better, you know, not to let too many days go by before we have some real meditative time. And not too many months to go by before we have a half-day retreat. Whether you do it formally at the center, Shelley Graf is going to be leading a half-day retreat, by the way, on April 23rd. I forget if it's Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning, but you can check the calendar. But Shelley and I lead usually a day long and a half-day most months. One of us will be leading both a half-day, usually early in the month, and a day long usually at the end of the month on a Saturday. But these places are where we kind of can catch up with that unfinished business that's just going to be there. And then if we do that, then it's just a practice. Well, you know, when we talk about or read about our wise elder teachers like the Buddha on down, you know, having these experiences where the heart just radically opens and experiences a kind of freedom that is out of this world, not in our normal neurotic world, right? And we feel so inspired. But we just start by opening and dealing with what shows up when we open. And often what shows up is 
My heart hurts. My heart is numb. It's closed down. My heart doesn't want to open. My heart just wants to be entertained. And when we go underneath that, oh, it wants to be entertained because it doesn't want to feel what it's feeling when it's not entertained. And that's the emotional business. This is so much of our practice. This is not like something we do so we can practice. This is our practice. And, you know, when we think about those friends of ours who are really good at living their life and, and especially navigating their important relationships with family and friends and folks at work and and lovers, navigating those relationships with a lot of sensitivity and a lot of skill. The reason that that happens, that skillfulness, that attention to the details of relationship, always remembering I'm in relationship with others and always like, and I, I want to be sensitive. I don't want to be oblivious. The reason that sensitivity, that let's just call it moral sensitivity deepens is because we have so sincerely felt into the unfinished business. And one of the things we sense is that all that unfinished business arises because of um, somehow wanting to avoid the sensitivity and responsibility that comes with being in relationship with others. And so it's like having a relationship that wasn't perfectly clean. So there's something left reverberating in the heart, something that's unfinished. And so it really creates the right, the useful incentives to be for all of our relationships to be in balance, to be healthy, not to be codependent, for example, or not to be always uh, the one who is giving and never the one who says, hey, honey, this is what I need from this relationship. Because that's going, for one thing, it's not good for the other person. But what we know directly is what's left over in our own heart, if that's our chronic habit in relationships to be the one who gives and, and being afraid to be the one who can acknowledge their needs. Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I have some needs and I, I'm practicing being really clear about that. So here goes, <laughs> here are my needs, right? And just to like think where are my relations, what are my relationships where I'm not comfortable doing that? And why not? What am I afraid of? And where are the relationships where I'm in the habit of not knowing the other person's need? Like just a kind of almost like an inventory of those 10 15 most important relationships. Okay, this person. Do I have a pretty good sense of what their needs are in our relationship together? And am I meeting those needs? Can I meet their needs? Have we had a conversation about whether I'm meeting their needs? Why not? Would that be weird? Why would that be weird? So, honey, maybe you could help me understand what are your needs are they being met? How are they not being met? I really want to be a good friend. I want us to have a good relationship. I want to go to bed at night without being haunted by unfinished business. 
right? I want to be able to sit without being haunted by the unfinished business in this relationship. And this is really possible, but we have to, as a human being, we have to value this kind of emotional, psychological, relational work as like not, first of all, there's no way around it. There's no bypassing this work, right? Thinking that somehow I'm just going to go to emptiness or deep concentration and that somehow that will get taken care of. All that that means, because you can do that, people do that, but it will come back in. And uh, so why not just be aware of it and start working with it? And I, I feel like this is one of the great advantages of highlighting this work is that um, it really helps us just be in community because it, it's almost like we start to see ourselves when we look in the mirror or when we just sense ourselves, we see someone else. What we see is we see a bunch of sensitive creatures dragging along a lot of brokenness, a lot of unfinished business, who want, whether they know it or not, really deeply desire to process it in a way that's lightening the heart, freeing up the heart. But it isn't like becoming perfect. It's more about living with that woundedness. I just finished a, a wonderful book, simple book, part memoir and, and part reflections on a dear friend this person, this author had, who then died. Um, I think it's called Let's Take the Long Way Home by Gail Caldwell. I, it made a bit of a splash a few years ago when it came out. She's a pretty well-known uh, journalist, writer. And uh, yeah, just that, uh, just the valuing of the, the relationships and, and what it can reveal in, in our life, help us see each other and to see each other, like what often brings us together that when we think of our deeper relationships, like the one in the book, um, uh, described is that they really got each other's woundedness <laughs> and it made them so close and made the relationship so powerful. They kind of met in that place and both protected because nobody's done with their work, but also kind of in moments where were that mirror that we need from our friends. That, oh yeah, there's work to be done. So next week we'll come back to the um, awareness practice, but let's, let's take the time this week to be really responsible for that, those qualities of the heart, the unfinished, unresolved pain that we're feeling. And we get to model being a wise, compassionate parent, grandparent, friend of this unresolved, unfinished pain that we carry. And it's not about getting rid of it, it's about befriending it and letting it breathe, letting it ventilate. 
So in your small groups, whether you do that at home with a friend or you're going to stay on, I, I see Shannon is here today. I'm assuming, Shannon, you'll do the small groups. You may talk about like how you've learned in your own life, how you've learned to take responsibility for what's unfinished in your heart, how you've learned to befriend it, what skillful means have you used, whether therapeutic means or meditative means, reflections, what have you used to have a more honest and healing relationship with what's there in your heart. And remember, some of us maybe tends to be more of a masculine quality. We, our experience of unresolved pain might be numbness. So numbness is one way that that unresolved, unfinished pain shows up in our lives. Like, I don't feel anything. <laughs> How convenient. That's something to talk about and something to come into relationship and to be curious about well, what, what's underneath that numbness. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.